Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Minneapolis, Minnesota with my new friend Jeremy Hans, the author of Baggage, Confessions of a Globetrotting Hypochondriac. The twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul are very livable with lots of green space, a thriving art scene, and a diverse, vibrant community. In this episode, Jeremy and I talk about the Mall of America, Minnehaha Falls, and the Renaissance Fair. You'll hear about these three amazing attractions, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Minneapolis. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account. Hey, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Minneapolis and St. Paul, the twin cities in Minnesota. I've had a chance to visit Minneapolis before, but I knew I had to have somebody that's an expert on the city to provide some tips and tricks. So that way, when I return, I can do things like a local. It's always good to do things like a local where possible, for sure. Absolutely. So what's your connection to the city? I actually grew up about an hour northwest in a small town from the cities. So, and we, we call them the cities. It's such a kind of a funny local thing. But so I always was close to here. And um, it was always exciting as a child to come out to Minneapolis and St. Paul. And then when I was older, uh, I went to college in St. Paul. I lived a year in Minneapolis and I've lived the last 10 years in St. Paul. My wife and I have moved and lived in other places around the country, but we were definitely pulled back for a variety of reasons. All right. So what's like the main thing that kind of keeps you there? I think for a lot of people, one of the main things is, of course, family. We both grew up in the area, so we have family here. But also, I would say probably the other main thing is just the green space, the nature. In the heart of the Mississippi River Valley, there's a lot of green space in the Twin Cities. And there's just a lot of fun things to do with kids. And it's just a really, you know, it's often rated as one of the most livable cities in the U.S. And I would definitely agree that there's just a blend of wonderful things to do. And then you have some beautiful hiking, biking and just a really great, strong community. Right on. So if you had to describe the people or the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that? Yeah, I think I think I'd describe it as really vibrant. You know, we have a very large immigrant community from a lot of different parts of the world. Uh, we have a lot of Somalians. We have a lot of Mun people. And so that, that provides this sort of wonderful vibrance to the city. And it's a very sort of liberal community. It's got a lot of arts, a lot of culture, a lot of diversity. And I think that's something that's probably somewhat surprising to people who maybe have never been up here is you kind of think of, oh, it's a Midwestern city. And, and it does have that sort of traditional aspect as well. But it also has just a, a lot of different kinds of festivals and, and fun things and interesting foods that is often surprising when you're coming to the Midwest that you wouldn't expect. Right on. So, okay. One of my closest friends, his name is David Esquire. He lives in the Minneapolis area. And I always see pictures of him like in the wintertime where it is incredibly cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I think obviously people know that it gets really cold there. But that's not the whole part of the year, right? There are some other times of the year that are really great to visit. Can you tell us a little bit about like when people should plan to visit? Yeah, I would say if you're trying to avoid the winter, which for most people, that's probably a good idea. The winters here are uh, long and for a lot of us can be trying, though there are some wonderful things that go on the winter too. But if you're trying to avoid the winter, I would say come anywhere between April and October. 
March can be hit or miss. November, it starts to get colder. It's usually might not have snow on the ground at all. But one of the great things about Minnesota is because we have such a long winter is that people love the summer and really other times of the year. Like people really get outside. They really do things. They really passionately enjoy those seasons because we know (laughs) that winter is coming all the time. And so there's a real, I think, wonderful community vibe outside for the rest of the year. And really the, the season's Aside from winter, it's gorgeous. We have a beautiful summer that's not too hot or humid usually. We have a wonderful falls. We have great springs, um, as long as you can avoid those winter snowstorms in, in March. So it really is a great place to visit about seven, eight months of the year. And if you do like winter, like if you'd like to go snowshoeing or skiing or any kind of winter sports, or you just like to get cozy, like it can be a lot of fun in the winter. You just got to be well prepared for how cold it can be and for the challenges of getting around in, in deep snow. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. One of my friends told me that there's almost like hamster trails, right? Like basically enclosed areas that you can like walk from building to building. That way you don't have to go out there in, in the, the bitter cold during the wintertime. For sure. The the shoveling and the, and the hamster trails, it's very true. And the funny thing <laughs> is a lot of people, you know, in other parts of the country, when they get a blizzard, the whole city will shut down. But in Minnesota, it's like everyone's still driving to work. Everyone's still doing their thing. Like we're very hardy and used to it. We just kind of keep plugging away. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a California boy at heart. And when we decided to move to Nashville or we were looking for places to move, I definitely did not want to go any further north because I did not want to shovel that snow like that. I hear you. Yeah, it's a tough time of year for sure for a lot of us. Um, but I do have friends that really enjoy it as well. <laughs> so it just depends on the type of person you are. For sure. Like, So the last time I was there, I was there for this conference called TBEX. It's like a travel bloggers conference. And the majority of our time was kind of spent over like the Mall of America. And everybody kind of knows about the Mall of America. And it's this huge mall. And literally, it could take half an hour to just like walk around one level without even stopping. But there's like so much more to do in the city beyond the mall. And I think it would be a real shame if if that's all you ever did in the city. So what are some of the things we should like plan to do when we're visiting? You know, I think there there are so many different things to do. And the Mall of America can be a lot of fun. But I my personal view is if you do it for a day, great. But then Go out and do some other things. Like I said, there's a lot of great outside things. There's a lot of great hikes and bikes. There is the Minnehaha Falls, which is one of the sort of only big urban falls in the U.S. There's, of course, the Mississippi River. We're right on the Mississippi River. You can do kayaking. You can do river boating on that. There's biking. One of my favorite parks is actually very little known. It's called Bruce Vento Nature Sanctuary, and it's right in the heart of St. Paul. And it's a restoration, like they're restoring this kind of prairie forest landscape. So that's a really great place if you want to get away and see a, a little bit of nature in the city. You can still see the skyline sometimes. But then also, like, you know, if, if you're here in the summer, you can always come for the Minnesota State Fair. There's the Renaissance Festival. At night, uh, you should go out for a show for sure, because we have some of the best theater in the entire Midwest. And I would argue in, in part in, in the entire country. We have the Guthrie Theater, which is a long established, wonderful theatrical they do great classical and, and contemporary pieces. We have one of the largest children's theater in the country, and that's called the Children's Theater, and it does an amazing work. So there's a lot of great theater, and there's a lot of great museums, and there's just so much more to do than sort of the Mall of America. Like you said, like, it's like you don't want to fall into like the tourist traps like that, right? Like the malls are great and everything else, but there's so many other things to do. And like you, I have, I have a nine-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl, and we travel a lot together, and uh, sometimes my wife stays home behind. And so I'm always looking for like family-friendly things to do. And the mall is great, but I don't need them reaching into my wallet every time I turn around because they see something else that's really cool they want to buy. So what are some of the other things that are more like family-friendly that we should do? 
So there's the Children's Museum, which is in downtown St. Paul, which is a splendid, wonderful place to visit with kids. There's the Minnesota Zoo, which is just outside the city, but is one of the best zoos in the country. There's also the Como Zoo and Conservatory, which is in St. Paul. And that one is really neat because it has a lot of a large you know, conservatory of plants. And so especially if you're here in the winter, it's one of the best places to go <laughs> because it's like you get inside and you feel like it's tropical and you see these beautiful tropical plants and these forests and then you can look outside at the snow. So that's a place that my daughter and I always go to. And I would say, you know, again, any of those parks, uh, we have lots of lakes. So in the summertime, we have lots of lakes, both in Minneapolis and St. Paul, that are great for swimming, great for boating, fishing, those kinds of things. So those are the kinds of things that I think are, are really wonderful for kids in the Twin Cities. I got so excited just you know, starting the conversation. I kind of skipped over a part. Let's talk about how to get to Minneapolis and St. Paul and like how to get around. So if people are flying in, I know there's the airport there that's actually a Delta hub. So a lot of listeners who are like big fans of Delta, you're going to find easy flights to get into the city, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's a major airport hub for lots of different airlines as well. So it's usually pretty easy from almost from a lot of places in the, in the U.S. to get a direct flight to the Twin Cities. And then you can even hop in and get a lot of good direct flights to places around the world, which (laughs) is good too. Okay. So once we get there, getting from the airport to the city and getting around, do we rent a car, use public transportation, or should we rely on like rideshare? There's a couple different ways. There's a light rail system that's quite good, actually. The only problem with the light rail system is it's only going to get you to certain places, right? It'll it'll actually get you from the airport to Mall of America, and it'll get you to um, downtowns. And it can get you back and forth to the airport. So that if you're if you're just exploring the downtown areas, that can be a really nice way to do it. And then maybe do like ride share from there. You can also very easily rent a car. And it is like many U.S. cities. We're not our public transit isn't as good as, say, places in Europe and such. So I would probably recommend that, especially if you're going to wanting to get out of the city a little bit or want to explore some areas and stuff. The ride shares are great around here. And that we do have a pretty big and pretty good bus system, but it can be often, you know, it, it can often take you a long time to get point to point on the on the bus system. So there's sort of different options you can take. But we do have a light rail, which is great. And if you're just bouncing around between maybe like a university or the downtown area, I think the light rail, especially if, if it's the summertime, and you're not having to walk very far is a really great option. And it's fun too. you know, you get to see a lot of the city just sitting on it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I totally appreciate taking anything but a car whenever we travel, because as a dad, I'm the one that drives everywhere we go. Right. So I don't get to, like, enjoy the scenery. I don't get to enjoy like all the other things that you're looking at because I'm focused on the road, not hitting the car in front of me. If I could take public transportation, walk, ride share, whatever, I'm I'm all for that. If we if we do rent a car, though, what's the parking situation like in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul? Is, is there charges a lot or is it easy to find parking? I would say it's generally easier than a lot of cities of our size to find parking. A lot of the downtown area, they have ramps and stuff, you know, where you'll get charged uh, either by the hour or by the day. But it's not super difficult compared to like, you know, someplace like New York City or something. You're not going to be circling for four hours trying to find something. So, you know, it's pretty typical of any major metropolitan area, but I don't think it's as bad as some of them can get. So I think if you get out of the downtown areas, you know, a lot of the more residential streets and, and more side streets, there's usually pretty open parking. And again, not that hard to find a spot if you're good at parallel parking and that kind of stuff. Uh, when we think about like where to stay in, in the Twin Cities area, should we stay in like Minneapolis or, or St. Paul? Or is it matter like based on what we're trying to do while we're there? Or is there certain areas that maybe we should avoid? No, I, it really it really is going to matter on what you're here for, because the Twin Cities themselves are probably about 20 minutes apart, the downtowns. 
So Minneapolis is a little bit larger. The downtown is a little more wild, you could say. Uh, Minneapolis is a lot more sort of younger people and stuff. St. Paul's a little more laid back, a little bit more for like, you, you see more sort of chill families out in this area. It can be considered a little more conservative, but conservative from, from the sense that like the whole metro area is very liberal. So uh, just keep that in mind. So, you know, I, I think either way, it kind of depends on what you're here for. If you're here for nightlife, I would say stay in Minneapolis. But if you're here more to sort of just have a great time with the kids, I would say stay in St. Paul. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have any like favorite hotels that maybe people should check out? Oh, that's such a good question. It's funny because like we're so Midwesterners here that it's like, well, people are coming. We're always like, oh, just come stay with us. <laughs> I would hesitate to, for the listeners. Don't reach out to Re- Jeremy. He's not going to let you sleep <laughs> on his couch. Such a Midwesterner. <laughs> I would say, you know, all the good hotels have places, uh, all, the, all the kind of the chains. So, And I'm not as familiar with like what are some of the better, um, if you want, I mean, if you want, I can look it up quick. More, I was just wondering if there's like anything that maybe has something like really cool character or like a cool history or something like it. Cause obviously like, you know, residence Inn or Hilton or whatever is like the same everywhere. But if there's like, if there's a hotel that has like a cool story there, you know, if you want something with a little more character and a, and a little more, not just a chain place, I would say the St. Paul hotel, uh, it's been around over a hundred years. It's just a really nice downtown area to stay in. It's not super expensive. So I, I'd say that's a good, a good place. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about uh, finding hotels that have like really cool character. I'm a big fan of Kimpton and they had a hotel there in Minneapolis called the the Grand. And unfortunately I left the, left the program before I got a chance to stay there, but they're very much known for having unique properties and not just that cookie cutter, no matter where you are, whether it's Kansas or California or Florida, you can't tell once you're inside the building. And so I, I love those hotels that have like that character that you, it's hard to find nowadays. It is. It is. So there are there are a few, though, that if you do some looking and, and I'd say the one that you mentioned and the, um, the St. Paul Hotel are some good options. Right on. And, and so earlier you kind of mentioned uh, or you touched on a little bit with like the different flavors of the different communities from ethnicities and everything like that. Uh, what are some like the great food options or, or places where we should look to go find some some awesome food that we can only find in, in the Minneapolis area? Yeah, and I, I think this is, again, one of those surprising things is that if you come to Minnesota, you might think, oh, it's going to be mostly like meat and mashed potatoes. And that's true. And you can get really good burgers at, like, say, the Blue Door. But one of the things that I love here is is there's a lot of food from around the world. My daughter's favorite restaurant is called I Pho by, Sa- by Saigon, and it's um, Vietnamese pho, which is the type of soup. And every time we're like, hey, you want to go out to eat? She's like, I want to go to IFA. Um, <laughs> so there's just a lot of places. There's the uh, Afro Deli, which does Somali type cuisine. There's a lot of great Indian food. But then there's also sort of more, you know, meat and potatoes, like the Handsome Hog is a really good place. One of my favorite places that's sort of more of a standard, I guess, kind of St. Paul vibe or Midwestern vibe is called W.A. Frost. And that's sort of a more fine dining but they have a wonderful basement area where they have these nooks and crannies and you can just go sit with a beer and get some really, really good hors d'oeuvres or you can get a great meal upstairs. So that's sort of more of a, a classic standard place. There's also, if you're looking into sort of more world food, there's the Global Midtown Market, which is this massive area in Minneapolis that's just basically food vendors, shops from, you know, again, sort of reflecting the diverse communities of the Twin Cities. 
And so that's another great place, if, especially if you're going with a group and you can't decide like what kind of cuisine you want, you can get it all there. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a great option because like my wife, she's much more adventurous with food than I am and she likes all the different flavors and I ate like a four-year-old sometimes, right? And so... Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can both do that in the Twin Cities. It's, it's, it's really got, I think it caters to both those kinds of tastes. I tend to be more like your wife where I'm always like, oh, what's something new and different and you know unusual I can try? It really is an impressive city for that. That's awesome. What about like, uh, do you have like farmer's markets or those types of things also where you can kind of get more of that, like that local cuisine? Yeah. I mean, farmer's markets are great. I, I think if you really want to try sort of the, the most taste intensive, crazy of the Twin Cities, you should come for the Minnesota State Fair, which is one of the largest state fairs in the country. And it's known for food. Like people just go and eat all day and drink. That can be a really fun place to try sort of that, that kind of like fried food and all sorts of weird things that they like, the fry Snickers bars and things like that, you know. But then they also have a lot of local restaurants where also, you know, bring their wares there, too. And another thing that's really exciting about the Twin Cities right now, I think this is, you know, happening around the country, but we have such a good brewery scene that has really exploded over the last 10, 15 years. So we have Surly, which is becoming kind of more known around the country, but we also have places, uh, lesser known ones like Fair State. Fulton, Urban Growler, Wild Mind, Tin Whiskers, all these great places that are producing their own local brews that are fabulous. And a lot of them have a place where you can go and sit in the brewery itself and, and you know, have a couple pints. And so that's a really fun way to do it. And sometimes we'll even just like go to a brewery and then we'll just like order a pizza while we're at the brewery, you know, and that's a great way to sort of uh, mix and match. Yeah, that's that's always fun. Those some of those breweries because obviously it's a great place to go for like without with your wife or your significant other, right? That's a great place for that. But you know, you have kids, and I, I travel a lot with my kids. Are some of these breweries also like family friendly, where you can you can go and, and do like a whole family thing? Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of them are. Particularly like I've I've gone to one called Monster Brewing in St. Paul, and like in the summertime they have a whole outdoor area, and you often just see families and kids running around and playing while the while the adults have a couple beers, you know. And so it is, it's really becoming uh, much more, you know, I think when you and I were kids, that would have maybe not been so kosher, but now <laughs> it's not as big of a deal, especially in the summertime. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of these breweries that are actually, I think, I think realizing that this is a great place for young parents and stuff to, or, or older ones to sort of get, have their own kind of chill time and the, and the kids go and, and draw or color or play or whatever. So there is a, there's a lot of openness to that. Absolutely. So a couple things before we go. If we want to go out for like a, a great breakfast before we head out for the day and, and go exploring, uh, where should we go for that? Okay, so for breakfast, I, I think there's often a lot of good options. And, you know, one of the things we Americans love our brunch. So there's uh, a place called the Butter Tin, which is really great. There is uh, Colossal Cafe, which is right down in a nice St. Paul area neighborhood. Uh, and one of our favorites is the uh, Highland Grill. And that's another just a really good place to get breakfast um, and have a sort of a diverse number of options of different things. But like get your pancakes, get your waffles and get them made, uh, you know, in the way that you like. Those are some really standard brunch places around here. Uh, that sounds really good. Uh, I'm getting kind of hungry right now. <laughs> what about after like after dinner or maybe like a mid afternoon? You just want something to kind of satisfy the sweet tooth until like your next meal. Where should we go for that? I'd say one of the best things is there's a number of great coffee shops, right? that have pastries and those kinds of things. So the Spy House does some really good things. And it's also like one of the most popular great places to sort of hang out and see the Minneapolis vibe. That's a really good one. So one of the good places to go for anyone with a sweet tooth and and especially a great place for kids is the Grand Old Creamery. And it's an ice cream place 
in the Grand neighborhood in St. Paul, which is one of the more thriving, really kind of cool places in the Twin Cities. Oh, that sounds really good. So, okay, well, cool. Jeremy, I appreciate you sharing all these fun tips for, for Minneapolis and St. Paul, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in the Twin Cities, where should they go and what should they eat? I'm a real sucker for Indian food, and one of my favorite restaurants is uh, Gandhi Mahal. And I would say whatever they have going that's seasonal, they produce some really incredible seasonal dishes from all around the Indian subcontinent. So I think that that's a really fun, if you have an adventurous eater, that's a great way to do it. Right on. No, especially, I think it's great. We don't go out to eat all the time. And, and so depending upon, no matter what time of the year you go, you're going to have something new and different, which leads to like a new experience. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's the kind of food that most of us could never cook at home, right? You're not going to be able to produce the kind of stuff that they produce. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. So, all right, well, cool. So you've been in and out of Minneapolis and St. Paul like for majority of your life. You obviously have some great stories. So which one are you most memorable? Well, you know, I think one that I think about a lot right now, uh, especially in our COVID times, is my daughter and I and my wife went to the Renaissance Festival last summer. And uh, the Renaissance Festival in, in the Twin Cities is one of the largest in the country. And it was her first time going. So she was eight years old. And I had gone a lot when I was a teenager, but I hadn't gone in like 20 years. And I just got there and it was just an incredible experience. I mean, so many people in costumes, so much good food, music. And I, the moment we entered the Renaissance Festival, you know, you give them your ticket and you go in. My daughter's face just lit up in a way I hadn't seen in, a, in you know, a while. She was just like, this place exists. There's a place like this that's real, you know? And so we just had a wonderful, great day just doing so many fun things and eating great food and listening to all the music and having great beers and stuff. So I think that that's one thing that I, I treasure that we have those kind of festivals and communities in the Twin Cities. That's one of the things I love about when I, whether it's doing things here locally or, or traveling with my kids, just obviously I enjoy the traveling myself, but being able to be the parent and watching their reactions and see how they do and, and like the smiles that are so genuine coming off their face when that when you do something fantastic like that that to me is is worth everything oh it is it's such a gift to be able to have those that that moment when you're like yes i, I we did we did this right <laughs> you know we picked the right thing this is really going to mean something so i totally agree speaking of like happy times and happy memories where's the happiest happy hour in minneapolis i'd probably say psycho Susie's. it's a lot of fun it's a very unique bar a lot of community love there and they produce some great drinks sounds like a lot of fun so one of the things I always do whenever I travel is I always check out the local pizza. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Minneapolis? I actually have two, which is maybe a cheat, but I would say Punch Pizza, which is a local chain. So you can find it in both Minneapolis and St. Paul. And there they do a great Neapolitan style. And then there's also Black Sheep Pizza, which is also incredible. I'd say, I'd say either of those are going to get you where you want to go. You know, I'm just going to have to twist my arm and I'm going to have to try them both. Yeah, no, no, do it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. We got connected through uh, through the, some travel communities, and so I know that you know a, a ton about travel. Uh, what's one of your best travel tips? Yeah, that's such a good question. As Aside from sort of just all the tips we've been talking about with the Twin Cities, I have, a, as a traveler, I'm a very anxious traveler, but I do a lot of world travel uh, as an environmental journalist, and also because I love it, but I'm very anxious. So I always make sure I have my phone loaded up with lots of podcasts, lots of funny things or, or um, meditations if I need to, to sort of work through any anxiety I might have or any moments, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a, a ride share or if I'm in a plane with a little uh, turbulence, you know, it's good to have something that I can just put on and be a little soothed. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's like, you know, even if you're, no matter where you are traveling, especially if you're traveling for a long period of time, 
sometimes I just crave like McDonald's, right? Like I love trying all the new, new foods and like trying all these places and everything like that. But you know, we went to Paris eight years ago, and after being there for a week, I'm like, I'm enough. I've had enough baguettes. I just want like a burger and fries. It's, I think of it as like a little comfort listening, right? Like, it, I mean, one of the great things about travel is that experience of being in another place. Is the culture shock? Is is experiencing a new place? For most of us, at least, it's good to have something ready to offset that a little to give yourself a bit of a break, because it can be very intense, especially on long trips. And because things don't always go the way you want them to. Oh, for sure. You might find yourself waiting for you know ten hours one day to get the next ferry or whatever, and it's great to have that ready to go if you have a long haul. And and, and rather than get frustrated and, and annoyed, you have something something that you can kind of look forward to and be like, oh, okay, well, I'll just I'll put this on and and I'm good to go. Exactly. Especially if you were running there and it literally just took off five seconds before you got there. You're like, no. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Right on. Well, hey, Jeremy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing awesome tips. I know I learned a lot. Can you tell us a little more about who you are, what you do? And then I know you have a, a great book that you just recently launched. Yeah, so I'm I'm an environmental journalist. Uh, I've been doing that for a little over 10 years. And so with as, as in a journalist, I once in a while get to run around the world, often chasing sort of endangered species that no one's heard of, trying to tell their stories. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. And in doing so, I've, you know, I've traveled a lot and I've traveled to all sorts of different parts of the world. And often, you know, when you're trying to chase down certain animals, you're going to often remote locations in the middle of wildernesses. Um, But I'm also a very anxious traveler, as I as I mentioned, and I have OCD and anxiety. And so I've recently written a book called Baggage Confessions of a Globe Trotting Hypochondriac. And it's really the story of what happens when you take someone like me who's super anxious and throw them out, you know, around the world chasing after these wonderful animals and just all the ridiculous situations I get into. So it's really it's a funny story, but it also deals with a lot of important issues uh, like mental illness, as well as sort of our relationship with nature and the environment and sort of combines all that together to tell a number of different stories from my trips around the world. Yeah. And it's out, you know, if you want to find any information about it, uh, you can just go to jeremyhance.com. That's H-A-N-C-E. But the book is available pretty much wherever books are sold, and it's in print. It's on, uh, you know, any e-reader, and you can also get the audio version. Well, fantastic! Yeah, I'll definitely have links to that in the show notes. But I, I definitely want to say a couple things. One, uh, I really applaud you for telling the stories of those endangered animals because, again, like we said, like as parents, it's great for us to be able to see those animals. But I want my kids and my kids' kids to be able to see those animals too, and we have to do whatever we can to be able to preserve them. And two, sharing your story like this. I think one, it shows like a, a certain amount of bravery that you're willing to go out there and, and tell your story, but also overcome some of those fears and some of those anxieties to be able to, to one, do your job and tell that story, but also serving as an example for people that maybe like they're afraid to travel. They're afraid to go out of their comfort zone because they feel like they're the only one that feel that way. Right. And seeing a story like yours and seeing that you can do it, hopefully will give them inspiration to do it themselves. Yeah, and I think one of the, one of the impetuses to write the book was really that you know I, I love reading travel books, but there's so many of them are written by either travelers that don't tell about being anxious or they're just such good travelers, right? And most of us, you know, most of us feel anxious when we travel. Most of us feel a certain amount of anxiety and nervousness, and that's totally normal. So I wanted to tell that story in, in a, you know in that way to give people that sense that you know it's okay, and as long as you're still acting as a kind, generous person when you're traveling, like it's fine to have a bad day. Or, you know, a really ridiculous hour. That's very normal. 
you know, I do think the book is really good for anybody who has been living with anxiety or any kind of mental illness or anyone who lives with someone that they love as a partner or a family member who struggle with that because it does kind of give a more of an inside view of sort of what goes on and again, how I sort of work to overcome it or manage it on my trips. Absolutely. I, I know it's not like something that you just, it's a, a switch that got flipped and now you don't have to deal with it anymore. It's something that you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your life. Thanks for sharing your story. If somebody wanted to be able to talk to you more about about their anxiety or, or traveling, if, about Minneapolis or about your book, what's the best way for them to reach you? Sure. So you can reach me. Uh, there's there's a contact info on the website, but you can also, I'm on, I'm active on Facebook. I'm active on Twitter and Instagram. So you can also just you know DM me there if you have any questions about trips or tips. I've also written some articles recently, one one on the Daily Beast, which is an article really about just what should you do as an anxious traveler, like some of the some of the advice basically. So that's a good a good place to look to. Fantastic. Well, you know, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks. Yeah. I'm always happy to talk about my home city. What a fun conversation with Jeremy. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Minneapolis. We want to say thank you to AwardWall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWall to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit the Latrobe Valley in Australia to speak with my new friend Tegan Dawson of the Haunted Hills podcast. We talk about the rainforest of the Terraboga National Park, the gold mining town of Wahala, and hiking at the Morwell River Falls Reserve. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.